The Paw Paw Village Players proudly present William Shakespeare's A Midsummer Night's Dream. For more information on how you can support the players, please visit ppvp.org. This production will feature the music of A Midsummer Night's Dream composed by Felix Mendelssohn and the voice talents of Cole Zubak voicing Nick Bottom the Weaver, Don Stein voicing Peter Quince the Carpenter, Patrick McCafferty voicing Tom Snout the Tinker, Kieran McCafferty voicing Robin Starveling the Tailor, Lars J. Loughborough playing Francis Flute the Bellows Mender, Hannah Snow voicing Robin Goodfellow, a puck in the service of Oberon. Abigail Beck Snow voicing Titania, Queen of the Fairies. Janet Brooks voicing Peas Blossom, a fairy in service of Titania. Bridget McCafferty voicing Cobweb, a fairy in service of Titania. Eliana Ebner voicing Moat, a fairy in service of Titania. Faith Crank voicing Mustard Seed, a fairy in service of Titania. Jacob Burrell voicing Oberon, King of the Fairies. Josh Beery, voicing Demetrius, nobleman of Athens. Brooklyn Moore, voicing Hermia, maiden of Athens. John Netto, as Lysander, poet of Athens. Maya Crank, voicing Helena, maiden of Athens. Act 3, Scene 1. With Titania still asleep on stage, enter the clowns Bottom, Quince, Snout, Starveling, Snug, and Flute. Are we all met? Pat, Pat. And here's a Marvel's convenient place for our rehearsal. This green plot shall be our stage. This Hawthorne break our tiring house. And we will do it in action as we will do it before the Duke. Peter Quince. What sayest thou, Bully Bottom? There are things in this comedy of Pyramus and Fisbee that will never please. First, Pyramus must draw a sword to kill himself, which the ladies cannot abide. How answer you that? By our lakin, a perilous fear. I believe we must leave the killing out when all is done. Not a wit. I have a device to make all well. Write me a prologue. And that the prologue seem to say that we will do no harm with our swords, and that Pyramus is not killed indeed. And... For the more better assurance, tell them that I, Pyramus, am not Pyramus, but Bottom the Weaver. This will put them out of fear. Well, we will have such a prologue, and it shall be written in eight and six. No. Make it two more. Let it be written in eight and eight. Will not the ladies be afeard of the lion? I fear it, I promise you. Masters. You ought to consider with yourself to bring in, God shield us, a lion among ladies is a most dreadful thing. 
For there is not a more fearful wild fowl than your lion living. And we ought to look to it. Therefore, another prologue must tell he is not a lion. Nay, you must name his name, and half his face must be seen through the lion's neck. And he himself must speak through, saying thus, or to the same defect, Ladies, or fair ladies, I would wish you, or I would request you, or I would entreat you not to fear, not to tremble, my life for yours. If you think I come hither as a lion, it were pity of my life. No, I am no such thing. I am a man as other men are. And there indeed let him name his name and tell them plainly that he is snug joiner. Well, it shall be so. But there is two hard things, that is, to bring the moonlight into a chamber. For you know, Pyramus and Thisbe meet by moonlight. Doth the moon shine that night we play our play? A calendar, a calendar! Look in the almanac! Find out moonshine! Find out the moonshine! Quince takes out a book. Yes, it doth shine that night. Why? Then may you leave a casement of the great chamber window where we play open, and the moon may shine in at that casement. Aye, or else... One must come in with a bush of thorns and a lantern and say he comes to disfigure or to present the person of moonshine. Then there is another thing. We must have a wall in the great chamber, for Pyramus and Thisbe, says the story, did talk through the chink of a wall. You can never bring in a wall. What say you, Bottom? Some man or other must present wall, and let him have some plaster or some loam or some rough cast about him to signify wall. Or let him hold his fingers thus, and through the cranny shall Pyramus and Thisbe whisper. If that may be, then all is well. Come, sit down, every mother's son, and rehearse your parts. Pyramus, you begin. When you have spoken your speech, enter into that break, and so every one according to his cue. Enter Robin, invisible to those on stage. What hempen homespuns have we swaggering here so near the cradle of the fairy queen? What, a, a play toward? I'll be an auditor. And an actor, too, perhaps, if I see cause. Speak, Pyramus. Thisbe, stand forth. Thisbe, the flowers of odious savor sweet. Odors! Odors! Odors savor sweet, though hath thy breath, my dearest Thisbe dear. But hark, a voice. Stay thou but here a while, and by and by I will to thee appear. He exits. A stranger, Pyramus, than e'er played here. He exits. Must I speak now? I, Mary, must you, for you must understand he goes but to see a noise that he has heard, and it is to come again. Mo. <clears throat> <clears throat> Most radiant pyramids, most lily-white of hue, of color like the red rose on a triumphant briar, most brisky, juvenile and eek, most lovely Jew, as true as a truest horse that yet would never tire. 
I'll meet thee, Pyramus. At Ninny's tomb? Ninus tomb, man. Why you must not speak that yet, that that you you answer to Pyramus, you speak all your part at once, cues and all. Pyramus, enter, your cue is past. It is never tire. Oh, as true as a truest horse, that yet would never tire. Enter Robin and Bottomus Pyramus with the ass head. If I were fair, fair. Fisby, I were only thine. Oh, monstrous! Oh, strange! We are haunted! Pray, masters, fly, masters, help! Quince, flute, snout, snug, and starveling, exit. I'll follow you. I'll lead you about around, through bog, through bush, through brake, through briar. Sometime a horse I'll be, sometime a hound, a hog, a headless bear, sometime a fire. And neigh and bark and grunt and roar and burn, like horse, hound, hog, bear, fire at every turn. He exits. Why do they run away? This is a knavery of them to make me afeard. Enter Snout. O Bottom, thou art changed. What do I see on thee? What do you see? You see an asshead of your own, do you? Snout exits. Enter Quince. Bless thee, Bottom, bless thee, thou art translated. He exits. I see their knavery. This is to make an ass of me, to fright me if they could. But I will not stir from this place, do what they can. I will walk up and down here, and I will sing, that they shall hear. I am not afraid. The oozle cock, so black of hue, with orange tawny bill, the throstle with his note so true, the wren with little quill. What angel wakes me from my flowery bed? The finch, the sparrow, and the lark, the plain song cuckoo gray, whose note full many a man doth mark, dare not answer nay. For indeed, who'd set his wit to so foolish a bird? Who'd give a bird the lie though he cry cuckoo never so? I pray thee, gentle mortal, sing again. Mine ear is much enamoured of thy note, so is mine eye enthralled to thy shape, and thy fair virtue's force perforce doth move me on first view to say, to swear, I love thee. Methinks, mistress, you should have a little reason for that. And yet, to say the truth, reason and love keep little company together nowadays. The more the pity that some honest neighbours will not make them friends. Nay, I can gleek upon occasion. Thou art as wise as thou art beautiful. Not so, neither. If I had wit enough to get out of this wood, I have enough to serve my own turn. Out of this wood do not desire to go. Thou shalt remain here whether thou wilt or no. I am a spirit of no common rate. The summer still doth tend upon my state, and I do love thee. Therefore go with me. I'll give thee fairies to attend on thee, and they shall fetch thee jewels from the deep, and sing while thou on pressed flowers dost sleep, and I will purge thy mortal grossness, so that thou shalt like an airy spirit go. Peas blossom, cobweb, moat, and mustard seed. Enter four fairies, peas blossom, cobweb, moth, and mustard seed. Ready. And I... And I. And I. Where, Where shall, shall we, we go? go? 
Be kind and courteous to this gentleman. Hump in his walks and gamble in his eyes. Feed him with apricocks and dewy berries, with purple grapes, green figs, and mulberries. The honey bags steal from the bumblebees. And for night tapers, crop their waxen thighs and light them at their fiery glowworm's eyes. To have my love to bed and to rise and pluck the wings from the painted butterflies to fan the moonbeams from his eyes. Nod to him, elves, and do him courtesies. Hail, mortal. Hail. 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 I cry your worship's mercy heartily. I beseech your worship's name. Cobweb. I also desire you more acquaintance, good Master Cobweb. If I cut my finger, I shall make bold with you. Your name, honest gentleman. Peas Blossom. I pray you, commend me to Mr. Squash, your mother, and, and to Master Peascod, your father. Good Master Peace Blossom, I shall desire you of more acquaintance too. Your name, I beseech you, sir. Mustard Seed. Good Master Mustard Seed, I know your patience well. That some cowardly, giant-like ox beef hath devoured many a gentleman of your house. I promise you, your kindred hath made my eyes water ere now. I desire you of more acquaintance, good Master Mustardseed. Come, wait upon him. Lead him to my bower. The moon, methinks, looks with a watery eye, and when she weeps, weeps every little flower, lamenting some enforced chastity. Tie up my lover's tongue. Bring him silently. They exit. Act three, scene two. Enter Oberon, king of fairies. I wonder if Titania be awaked. Then what it was that next came in her eye, which she must dote on in extremity. Enter Robin, good fellow. Here comes my messenger. How now, mad spirit? What night rule now about this haunted grove? My mistress with a monster is in love. Near to her close and consecrated bower, while she was in her dull and sleeping hour, a crew of patches, rude mechanicals that work for bread upon Athenian stalls, were met together to rehearse a play intended for great Theseus' nuptial day. The shallowest thick-skin of that barren sort, who Pyramus presented in their sport, forsook his scene and entered in a break. When I did him at this advantage take an ass's knoll, I fixed it on his head. Anon his thisbe must be answered, and forth my mimic comes, when they him spy as wild geese that creeping fowler eye, or russet-pated chefs many in sort rising and cawing at the gun's report, sever themselves and madly sweep the sky, so at his sight away his fellows fly. And at our stamp here o'er and o'er one falls, he murder cries and help from Athens calls. Their sense thus weak, lost with their fears thus strong, made senseless things begin to do them wrong. For briars and thorns at their apparel snatch, some sleeves, some hats, from yielders all things catch. I led them on in this distracted fear, and left sweet Pyramus translated there. When in that moment so it came to pass, Titania waked and straightway loved an ass. This falls out better than I could devise, but hast thou yet latched the Athenian's eyes with the love-juice as I did bid thee do? 
I took him sleeping, that is finished too, and the Athenian woman by his side, that when he waked, of force she must be eyed. Enter Demetrius and Hermia. Stand close. This is the same Athenian. This is the woman, but not this the man. They step aside. Why rebuke you him that loves you so? Lay breath so bitter on your bitter foe. Now but I chide, but I should use thee worse, for thou, I fear, hast given me cause to curse. If thou hast slain Lysander in his sleep, being o'er his shoes in blood, plunge in the deep and kill me too. The sun was not so true unto the day as he to me. Would he have stolen away from sleeping Hermia? I'll believe as soon this earth may be bored, and that the moon may through center creep, and so displease her brother's noontide with the Antipodes. It cannot be, but thou hast murder him. So should her murderer look, so dead, so grim. So should the murdered look, and so should I, pierced through the heart with your stern cruelty. Yet you, the murderer, look so bright, as clear as yonder Venus in her glimmering sphere. What's this to my Lysander? Where is he? Ah, oh, good Demetrius, will thou give him me? I'd rather give his carcass to my hounds. Out, dog, out, cur, thou hast drivest me past the bounds of maiden's patience. As thou hast slain him, then? Henceforth never be numbered among men. Oh, once tell true. Tell true even for my sake. Durst thou have looked upon him being awake, and hast thou killed him sleeping? O brave touch, could not a worm, an adder, do so much? An adder did it, for with doubler tongue than thine, thou serpent, never adder stung. You spend your passion on misprized mood. I'm not guilty of Lysander's blood, nor is he dead for aught that I can tell. I pray thee, then tell me that he is well. And if I could, what should I get there for? A privilege never to see me more, and from thy hated presence part I so. See me no more, whether he be dead or no. She exits. There's no following her in this fierce vein. Here, therefore, for a while I will remain. So sorrow's heaviness doth heavier grow, for death that bankrupt sleep doth sorrow owe, which now in some slight measure it will pay, if for his tender I make some stay. He lies down and falls asleep. What hast thou done? Thou hast mistaken quite, and laid the love-juice on some true love's sight. Of thy misprision must perforce ensue, some true love turned, and not a false turned true. Uh, then fate or rules that one man holding troth, a million fail, confounding oath on oath. About the wood go swifter than the wind, and Helena of Athens look thou find, all fancy sick she is, and pale of cheer, with sighs of love that cost the fresh blood dear. By some illusion see thou bring her here, I'll charm his eyes against she do appear. I, I go, I go, look how I go, swifter than arrow from the tartar's bow. He exits. Flower of this purple dye. Hit with Cupid's archery, sink an apple of his eye, when his love he doth espy, let her shine as gloriously as the Venus of the sky. When thou wakest, if she be by, beg of her for remedy. Enter Robin. Captain of our fairy band, Helena is here at hand, and the youth 
mistook by me, pleading for a lover's fee. Shall we their fond pageants see? <laughs> Lord, what fools these mortals be. Stand aside. The noise they make will cause Demetrius to awake. Then will two at once woo one. That must needs be sport alone. And those things do best please me that befall preposterously. They step aside. Enter Lysander and Helena. Why should you think that I should woo in scorn? Scorn and derision never come in tears. Look when I vow, I weep. And vows so born in their nativity all truth appears. How can these things in me seem scorn to you, bearing the badge of faith to prove them true? You do advance your cunning more and more. When truth kills truth, oh devilish holy fray, these vows are Hermia's. Will you give her oar? Weigh oath with oath, and you will nothing weigh. Your vows to her and to me put in two scales will even weigh, and both as light as tails. I had no judgment when to her I swore. Nor none, in my mind. Now you give her oar. Demetrius loves her, and he loves not you. Oh, Helen, goddess, nymph, perfect divine. To, to what, my love, shall I compare thine eye? Crystal is muddy. Oh, how ripe and show thy lips. Those kissing cherries tempting grow. That pure congealed white, high Taurus's snow fanned with the eastern wind, turns to a crow when thou holdst up thy hand. Oh, let me kiss this princess of pure white, this seal of bliss. Oh, spite, oh, hell, I see you were all bent to set against me for your merriment. If you were civil and knew courtesy, you would not do me thus much injury. Can you not hate me as I know you do, but you must join in souls to mock me too? If you were men, as men you are in show, you would not use a gentle lady so, to vow and swear and super-praise my parts, when I am sure you hate me with your hearts. You both are rivals, and love Hermia, and now both rivals to mock Helena. A trim exploit, a manly enterprise, to conjure tears up in a poor maiden's eyes with your derision. None of noble sort would so offend a virgin and extort a poor soul's patience all to make you sport. You are unkind, Demetrius. Be not so, for you love Hermia. This you know I know, and here with all good will, with all my heart, in Hermia's love I yield you up my part. And yours of Helena, to me bequeath whom I do love and will do to my death. Never did mockers waste more idle breath. Lysander, keep thy Hermia, I will none. If e'er I loved her, all that love is gone. My heart to her but as a guest wise sojourned, and now to Helen. It is home returned, there to remain. Helen, it is not so. Despair is not the faith thou dost not know, lest to thy peril thou abide dear. Look where their life comes. Yonder is thy dear. Enter Hermia. Dark night that from the eye his function takes, the ear more quick of apprehension makes. Wherein it doth impair the seeing sense, it pays the hearing double recompense. 
Thou art not by my eye, Lysander, found mine ear. I think it brought me to thy sound. But why, unkindly, didst thou leave me so? Why should he stay whom love doth press to go? What love could press Lysander from my side? Lysander's love that would not let him bide, fair Helena, who more engilds the night than all yon fiery o's and eyes of light. Why seek'st thou me? Could not this make thee know the hate I bear thee made me leave thee so? You speak not as you think. It cannot be. Lo, she's one of this confederacy. Now I perceive they have conjoined all three to fashion this false sport in spite of me. Injurious Hermia, most ungrateful maid, have you conspired? Have you with these contrived to bait me with this foul derision? Is all the counsel that we had to have shared? The sisters' vows, the hours that we have spent when we have chide this hasty-footed time for parting us, oh, is all forgot? All school-days' friendships, childhood innocence, we, Hermia, like two artificial gods, have with our needles created both one flower, both on one sampler, sitting on one cushion, both warbling of one song, both in one key, as if our hands, our sides, voices, and minds had been incorporate. So we grew together, like to a double cherry, seeming parted, but yet in union in partition. Two lovely berries molded on one stem, so with two seeming bodies, but one heart. Two of the first, like coats and heraldy, do but one, and crowned with one crest. And will you rent our ancient love asunder, to join with men in scorning your poor friend? It is not friendly. "'Tis not maidenly, our sex, as well as I may chide you for it, "'though I alone do feel the injury.' "'I am amazed at your words. I scorn you not. "'It seems that you scorn me.' "'Have you not set Lysander, as in scorn, "'to follow me and praise my eyes and face? "'You made your other love, Demetrius, "'who even but now did spurn me with his foot "'to call me goddess.' Nymph, divine and rare, precious, celestial? Wherefore speaks he this to her he hates? And wherefore doth Lysander deny your love, so rich within his soul, and tender me, forsooth, affection? But by your setting on, by your consent? What though I be not so in grace as you, so hung upon with love, so fortunate? But miserable most, to love unloved, this you should pity rather than despise. I understand not what you mean by this. I do. Percivor, counterfeit sad looks, make mouths upon me when I turn my back, wink each at other, hold the sweet jest up. This sport, well carried, shall be chronicled. If you have any pity, grace, or manners, you would not make me such an argument. But fare you well. Tis partly my own fault, which death or absence soon shall remedy. Stay, gentle Helena. Hear my excuse. My love, my life, my soul, fair Helena. Oh, excellent. Sweet, do not scorn her so. If she cannot entreat, I can compel. Thou canst compel no more than she entreat. Thy threats have no more strength than her weak prayers. Helen, I love thee. By my life I do. 
I swear by that which I will lose for thee, to prove him false that says I love thee not. I say I love thee more than he can do. If thou say so, withdraw and prove it too. Quick, come. Lysander, where to tends all of this? Away, you Ethiop. No, no, he'll seem to break loose. Take on as you would follow, but yet come not. You are a tame man. Go. Hang off, thou cat, thou burr, vile thing. Let loose, or I will shake thee from me like a serpent. Why are you grown so rude? What change is this, sweet love? Thy love? Out, tawny tartar, out! Out, loathed medicine! Oh, hated potion hence! Do you not jest? Yes, sooth, and so do you. Demetrius, I will keep my word with thee. I would I hedge a bond, for I perceive a weak bond holds you. I'll not trust your word. What? Should I hurt her, strike her, kill her dead? Although I hate her, I'll not harm her so. What can you do me greater harm than hate? Hate me? Wherefore, O me, what news? My love, am I not Hermia? Are you not Lysander? I am as fair now as I was erewhile. Since night you loved me, yet since night you left me. Why, then you left me, oh, gods forbid, in earnest, shall I say? I by my life, and never did desire to see thee more. Therefore, be out of hope, of question, of doubt, be certain, nothing truer, tis no jest, that I do hate thee, and love Helena. Oh, me, you juggler, you, you canker blossom, you thief of love, what, have you come by night and stolen my love's heart from him? Fine, I, Faith, have you no modesty, no maiden shame, no touch of bashfulness? What, will you tear impatient answers from my gentle tongue? Fie, fie, you counterfeit, you puppet, you. Puppet? Why so? I that way goes the game. Now I perceive she hath made compare between our statures. She hath urged her height, and with her personage, her, her tall personage, her height, forsooth she hath prevailed with him. And you are grown so high in his esteem, because I am so dwarfish and so low. How low am I, thou painted maypole? Speak, how low am I? I am not yet so low, but that my nails can reach into thine eyes. I pray you, though you mock me, gentlemen, let her not hurt me. I was never cursed. I have no gift at all in shrewishness. I am a right maid for my cowardice. Let her not strike me. You perhaps may think, because she is something lower than myself, that I can match her. Lower? Hark, again! Good Hermia. Do not be so bitter with me. I evermore did love you, Hermia, did ever keep your counsels, never wronged you, save that in love unto Demetrius. I told him of your stealth unto this wood. He followed you, for love I followed him. But he hath chid me hence, and threatened me to strike me, spurn me, nay, to kill me too. And now, so you will let me quiet go? To Athens will I bear my folly back and follow you no further. Let me go. You see how simple and how fond I am. Why, get you gone. Who is it that hinders you? A foolish heart that I leave behind here. What, with Lysander? With Demetrius. Be not afraid. She shall not harm thee, Helena. No, sir, she shall not, though you take her part. Oh, when she is angry, she is 
keen and shrewd. She was a vixen when we went to school, and though she be but little, she is fierce. Little, again, nothing but, low and little. Why will you suffer her to flout me thus? Let me come to her. Get you gone, you dwarf, you minimus of hindering knotgrass maid, you bead, you acorn. You are too officious in her behalf that scorns your services. Let her alone. Speak not of Helena, take not her part. For if thou dost intend never so little of love to show to her, thou shalt abide it. Now she holds me not. Now follow, if thou darest, to try whose right of thine or mine is most in Helena. Follow? Nay, I'll go with thee, cheek by jowl. Demetrius and Lysander exit. You mistress, all this coil is long of you. I will not trust you. I nor longer stay in your cursed company. Your hands than mine are quicker for a fray. My legs are longer, though, to run away. She exits. I am amazed and know not what to say. She exits. This is thy negligence. Still thou mistakest, or else commitst thy knaveries willfully. Believe me, King of Shadows, I mistook. Did not you tell me I should know the man by the Athenian garments he had on? And so far blameless proves my enterprise that I have anointed an Athenian's eyes. And so far am I glad it did so sort as this their jangling I esteem a sport. Thou seest these lovers seek a place to fight. I, therefore, Robin, overcast the night. The starry welkin cover thou anon with drooping fog as black as a Chiron, and lead these testy rivals so astray as one come not within another's way. Like to Lysander, sometime frame thy tongue, then stir Demetrius up with bitter wrong, and sometime rail thou like Demetrius, and from each other look thou lead them thus, till all their brows death counterfeiting sleep, with leaden legs and batty wings doth creep, then crush this herb into Lysander's eye. Whose liquor hath this virtuous property, to take from thence all air with his might, and make his eyeballs roll with wonted sight? When they next wake, all this derision shall seem a dream and fruitless vision, and back to Athens shall the lovers wend, with league whose date till death shall never end. Whilst I in this affair do thee employ, I'll to my queen and beg her Indian boy, and then I will her charmed eye release from monster's view, and all things shall be peace. My fairy lord, this must be done with haste, for night swift dragons cut the clouds full fast, and yonder shines Aurora's harbinger, at whose approach ghosts wandering here and there troop home to churchyards. Damned spirits all that in crossways and floods have burial already to their wormy beds are gone. For fear lest day should look their shames upon, they willfully themselves exile from light, and must for a consort with black-browed night." But we are spirits of another sort. I, with the morning's love, have oft made sport, and like a forester the groves may tread, even till the eastern gate, all fiery red, opening on Neptune with fair blessed beams, turns into yellow gold his salt-green streams. But notwithstanding haste, make no delay, we may affect this business yet ere day. He exits. Up and down, up and down, I will lead them up and down. I am feared in field and town, goblin lead them up and down.
Here comes one. Enter Lysander. Where art thou, proud Demetrius? Speak thou now. Here, Here villain, drawn and, and ready. ready. Where, Where art thou? I will be with thee straight. Follow me then to plainer ground. Lysander exits. Enter Demetrius. Lysander, speak again. Thou run away. Thou coward, art thou fled? Speak. In some bush? Where dost thou hide thy head? Thou coward, art thou bragging to the stars, telling the bushes that thou lookst for wars, and wilt not come? Come, recreant, come, thou child, I'll whip thee with a rod, he is defiled that draws a sword on thee. Yes, art thou there? Follow my voice, we'll try no manhood here. They exit. Enter Lysander. He goes before me and still dares me on. When I come where he calls, then he is gone. The villain is much lighter heeled than I. I followed fast, but faster he did fly. That fallen am I in dark uneven way, and here will rest me. Come, thou gentle day, for if but once thou show me thy gray light, I'll find Demetrius and revenge this spite. He lies down and sleeps. Enter Robin and Demetrius. Ho, ho, ho! Coward, why comest thou not? Abide me, if thou darest. For while I wot thou runst before me, shifting every place, and darest not stand nor look me in the face, where art thou now? Come, Come hither, I am here. Nay, then, thou mockst me. Thou shalt buy this deer if ever I thy face by daylight see. Now go thy way, fadeness constraineth me to measure out my length on this cold bed. By day's approach, look to be visited. He lies down and sleeps. Enter Helena. Oh, weary night, oh, long and tedious night, abate thy hours. Shine comforts from the east, that I may back to Athens by daylight from these that my poor company detest. In sleep, that sometimes shut my sorrow's eye. Steal me away from mine own company. She lies down and sleeps. Yet but three, come one more. Two of both kinds makes up four. Here she comes, cursed and sad. Cupid is a knavish lad thus to make these poor females mad. Enter Hermia. Never so weary, never so in woe, bedabbled with the dew and torn with briars, I can no further crawl. No further go. My legs can keep no pace with my desires. Here I will rest me till the break of day. Heavens, shield Lysander if they mean affray. She lies down and sleeps. Robin applies the nectar to Lysander's eyes. On the ground sleep sound, I'll apply to your eye, gentle lover remedy. When thou wakest, thou takest true delight in the sight of thy former lady's eye. And the country proverb known that every man should take his own in your waking shall be shown. Jack shall have Jill, naught shall go ill. The man shall have his mare again, and all shall be well. 